Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Michael Myers, to my Jason Voorhees. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, very happy to be my favorite uh, franchise slasher. All right. And you're your favorite? I could have just been silent there if I was going to be Michael Myers, but that seemed like it'd be a really awkward intro. Yeah, and our very own Officer Dewey. That's right. It's, it's Eric on <laughs> Eric, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you were going. I, I was like, going to give him Freddy, no, which is no, really bad. No, no, Freddy's too good, but no, he's Freddy's also awful. bad. He's... I thought it was then I thought he was going to go scary Terry. <laughs> yeah, I was like I was I was stumped. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, just it kind of keeping it keeping it level after the uh, like a fantastic Seahawks win. Just trying to enjoy myself, you know, enjoy life. Yeah, yeah. Real, real easy. Real yeah, don't easy look win. too close at it. It's It'll, it's fine. Just, just don't just look smile. too close at the opponent. You know, that's the more you look at the Raiders, the more you're like, ugh. Okay. Yeah, maybe well. maybe the worst team in football. Certainly the worst team in the AFC. With uh, with the beginning of college basketball season approaching, I feel it's appropriate. This is sort of like when you see a your college team scrimmages against like the Division Three or the NAIA team down the street, and you're like, oh, the center had 74 blocks. Like that was really oh oh. Oh, UW versus Seattle U. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so, seriously. Let, I mean, just to like start us off, let's just, let's. I want to dive right into it. I mean, they only got five pressures against a team that has given up a lot of pressures this season. So that that's the start for me. Is that like well, and uh, just, like a lot of those pressures came on like five second passes. Right. They five five dropbacks that had pressures. They Russ went one for two. He actually scrambled on two of them and got away for yardage. It's just it was not a good not a good look for the uh, for the old Oakland Raiders. They got. Do you want to go with the offense first? Yeah, let's do offense. All right, so Russ, very efficient game, seventeen for thirty two, two hundred twenty two yards. My favorite stat: nine point seven yards per attempt. Yeah, nine passes of over ten yards, and he completed uh, six of those nine. And two of which them is, could six, have been complete. Six of nine, Kevin. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. It could have been eight out of nine, but he had to gronk it up. Yeah. Because I think that one that he lofted for Doug Baldwin, if Baldwin wasn't hurt, he would have probably caught that for a touchdown. Yeah, that one on the left side was pretty. It was like he he was clapping too. He knew he missed it. Like he was like, oh, I could have had that. He was open. Enough. If his knee was eighty five percent instead of eighty percent, or he just, or just lights the throw a little bit, you know, because he but he's used to, he's used to playing with full Doug. So. I'll right. say this though. Uh, I heard. Uh, of course, producer Brett, but also people said that you know maybe Doug shouldn't be out there. I thought Doug played really well, and on that play in particular, the receiver is reaching across Doug's body, grabbing his other shoulder pad. He got away with something, maybe. Uh, you know, there's a lot of tugging on either side. I felt like I felt like Doug had a really good you know, game. You know this is the liked first it? game where Doug looked like Doug. You know yes. what I liked about Doug? He wasn't like the best version of Doug possible because there was a lot of room for him to work out there, but. Doug did what Doug does best, which is move the chains. He had four ca- of his six yep. catches, four went for first downs. Uh, he had six receptions for 91 yards, but the, like I, and um, he had 30, 15 yards per reception, 23 yards after catch. I mean, he just moved the chains, had a very efficient game. Wasn't perfect, gave up the interception. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you can do about that. That was but. a rough pass to Paul in, but it's one that we've come to expect from Doug. He yeah. sets that high of a bar. Yeah. So then, but the, but the yeah, I thought Doug was pretty fantastic in this game. Yeah, I thought that uh, Moore had a really nice game. Uh, 47 yards. He had the really nice toe-tapper touchdown mm-hmm. yeah. um, on a on a on basically a busted play where you could tell Russ 
trusts more. He put a couple balls up there where he just trusted more to get it. There was another one of his missed long shots was uh, on one of the early drives in the first quarter. He took a shot down on the left side of the end zone and uh, just kind of put the ball in the air for a contested catch. Did you, did you guys really feel using like, him like Paul Richardson? Did you guys feel like I did? Which is that if this game was if the Oakland offense could have done anything, this is a game where we would have passed for like 380 yards. Yes, like if the, we had the, to. Yeah, yeah, we just didn't have to. Like the, the if we didn't have to bleed the clock. Yeah, extraordinarily efficient. Seventeen receptions for 222 yards even the announcers said that it's just it was just a really efficient passing day and i think that Mm -hmm. yeah that if russ actually needs to pass we go for 350 but he didn't need to throw at all basically on one hand i really wanted to put them away in the fourth quarter add 14 points add 10 points something like that but at the same time with a touchdown the red zone it would have been like 34 to 3 yeah and it was just it it was just kind of overkill like we were there it didn't matter let's just get out of here healthy for into the bye week Hey, Russell Wilson, he kept on designed runs twice. I mean, is, is this, he, it was awesome. And he like, we're he, back, baby. You know, he was only six yards on those two designed runs, but still, I, I mean, very exciting to see him. It's get, on film now. Get back on the designed run. And, and I think that Oakland respected it more than most other teams did. To be honest with you, watching back the film, they, they really like put a linebacker out there on the edge to make sure that Russell didn't get loose and stuff like that, which is what exactly what we want. And then the, you know, the wide receiver or the running backs just worked the middle of the field, man. They just right up the gut over and over. Penny 4.8 yards per attempt. Carson 4.2. Davis coming in with a 3.5, but I thought he was fine, you know. Yeah, Penny and Carson combined to have, what, 23 carries for a little over 100 yards? Uh, yeah, if one back does that, you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I thought, and I think like this is where we start to see Penny's turning the corner a little bit. Uh, it's it, he was, was slow to get used to the NFL speed, slow to get used to being in an NFL offense, and now I think that this is where we start to see the, the Mike Davis is going to start bleeding uh, parts of the offense to to Rashad Penny. I would uh, agree, and I think that's a good seeding. move talent wise. We're going to be like the Falcons and use two running backs simultaneously at uh, all times. I, I hope not, uh, but. Maybe. Penny. No, sir. In, in all seriousness, though, like, do you see the dual running back attack? I don't. I certainly don't want to be like the Falcons this year. Here's the but... thing: is Penny played 13 snaps only and got nine rushing attempts, and they kind of put him in at the end of the game when we were ahead and, and leaned on him a little bit just to see what he's got. And I think that he showed out nicely. He showed that, yeah, I can, I can tote the rock. I can carry nine or six times on a drive. Kind of the same way we tried to kill. A precise in the preseason by just giving the ball over and over. <laughs> they did that with Penny to and see the results like, are better, and to see like, hey, because Oakland's going to try to get the ball back. You know, they they want to get back in this game. Can we just hand it to Rashad five times in a row and see what happens? And it, I thought it went really well. Yeah. Um. No huge runs. Only two runs of ten or more yards. But I'm okay with that. Like what we're doing I, is we're getting a pounding, we're we're freeing up Davis so we can trade him to Philly for a six round pick. I actually think that that is perfectly reasonable anything else you noticed in the in this game in particular kevin before we uh, kind of go into our early season review later uh, well before we get into the defense um one last thing on offense was george, george uh, fan was good george fan was solid uh the offensive line as a whole was really solid um brick gave up the one sack to arden key or i know Fetty did but i mean Fetty would have had to hold the block for quite a while he so, did solid on that one so do you like this uh bringing fan in as basically like a just a tight end no. plus or whatever. 
You don't like it? No, it's limited for play calling purposes. When we did it inside of the 10 yard line, we got shut down on the run game. Even though as it, we're going to, it makes us predictable. Even if it is kind of, he is not the problem on those plays, though. He is killing dudes out there. Yes, like, he is doing great, but I just think it's too limiting on your play call. It's a bad play design. So, okay. It worked when we had Disley because Disley was a threat. If, if, yes. if Fant is continuing to develop and seems like pretty decent, I, I mean, why, why don't we start? Why don't we throw him a pass? Like he caught. To be honest with you, he caught passes in in college, right? Like he was a, a tight end. Yeah, he was a tight end. So why not why not give him a pass? Keep people honest. I mean, I know having a three hundred and twenty two t- pound, pound tight end is weird, but as someone know. who <laughs> as someone who loves seeing fat guys run with the football, I'm all for this. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, I think that just keep teams honest. Be like, hey, we're gonna put fan out here, and we're probably gonna run, but maybe he's gonna run a pass route. He did one run one route in the game, Kevin. Which, Working it in. Oh my gosh! I think you're gonna see that. I want him to get point. a catch. So Here's the bad. thing, though. As as a big guy, all it takes is one tackle, and George Fant is back on the deal. <laughs> oh no! This is a fact. The bigger he is, the harder. Yeah, he not falls. even a joke. It's Here's just like, thing, oh, there he goes. But he also could like uh, lower his shoulder and send a cornerback into the fourth row. Oh, he'll he'll kill a cornerback. Not a joke. Uh, Mike Davis had 24 snaps. Carson had 27. Penny had 13. And I think, I think like, you're going to start seeing the uh, da- ballast even out there. Davis and Penny will probably switch numbers over yep. the next couple of weeks, which is fine. Which uh, I think is the correct snap count. Uh, Darrell Daniels played 33 snaps, and I thought was, uh, well, I, was, I, I, I think the George Fant exper- uh, tight end experiment could start anytime. That's, that's how I feel. What about the Swoops tight end experiment, swoops actually, guys? Swoops, swoops had a nice pass up the seam. He, is, he ran 14, 14 routes. I don't think they trust him to block as much as they do the other guys. No, but when Vanette comes back, that's a good one-two punch there. Yeah, I think Vanette will take Darrell Daniels right back to the practice squad. As should be. Um, then yeah, he's just not a, I don't think he's a finished product to be nope. honest with you. He's just, he's just a ways away. If he ever is even going to be an effective NFL player. I don't know if he can, cause his blocking will always be limited. He was a wide receiver. Uh, he was recruited as a wide receiver. He converted like his junior year of college. Um, he should try to be and Marcus. He still Colston. seems go, like a, like a big wide receiver. Go back, go back. Be like Marcus Colston, go back to being a, a big wide receiver. I think that's what he was training to be with Andy. And then Andy just doesn't know what they want to do. Except for uh, let luck throw interceptions and then try and bring them back. Any so are we gonna talk defense? Uh, wait, 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 wait. Can we talk about a run run blocking? Are Ooh, you... I'm always good with talking about sure. run blocking. Okay, I, I'm, I'm pass blocking. I thought the team was awesome. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Very uh, solid run blocking. I, I felt okay. I just want to talk. I want to talk up a guy, just one guy specifically, Jermaine Affetti. I thought Jermaine Effetti was overall really good in this game, but especially comparative to his contemporaries, he was a rock on the right side of the line, like just killing his guy over and over and over again. And I know that like it's it's really bad competition. So it's like really easy to say like, okay, yeah, he, he did good against the shitty team. And that's fair. I think that's a fair criticism of my but but he was dominated if, by the shitty teams last year if he's if so he's, this is improvement if he's starting to turn the corner though i mean he has the physical tools to be a special player and i just think it'd be neat to see him come around after all the the crap he's gotten over the years well if you think that you know going into this season we thought that Fetty was going to be like Fetty always was in the preseason he couldn't mentally keep up with things with a new offensive line coach it's going to take some time, and I don't know, over the last three weeks, he's made significant progress in every game. Yeah, and his biggest weakness before was he didn't seem to know what to do, right? Yeah. 
So now, and would you agree, Eric? It seems like he kind of knows what to do now. He he's on the right track. Like he's obviously not perfect, but he's holding his blocks better. Like Kevin said, when uh, you know giving up a sack, he he held it for as long as he could. I, you know, I'd rather do that than you know hold on to a guy too long and kind of like be the old Jr. Sweezy. I like Afedi. The fact if he misses a block, he's at least going to the next guy. He's not standing out in space alone anymore. It's there's some real positives. Right. I have a little bit of other offensive line praise. Uh, I feel like I couldn't watch a single snap this game without seeing either Dwayne Brown or uh, DJ Fluker dump truck somebody and just put them on their butt. Yeah, especially like, especially in pass blocking, like they were just like eating their defensive ends and like their players alive. Like it was just like this guy's trying to come in with a pass rush move. Oh, he died. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's like they were just they, they were really really good. Yeah, like I think someone did a superplex. It was yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> also, a little bit of a praise for Jr. Sweezy. This is a guy who uh, really none of us wanted on this team. He's filled in. He he's, filled in at a league. Um, he's been nice. League. Yeah, he's he's been what. The best pace, case scenario of what he we should be. We would have killed for this level of blocking last year. It's not a joke. Yeah. By the way, at I, least he's like the thing is, at least he's pass blocking really good. Like I, I like I, I've kind of ragged on like maybe the run blocking is not as good as we we think, and like the guys, the running backs are creating a lot of this on their own. But like they all five offensive linemen have allowed Russell enough time to make good plays this season, and we've seen the downfield passing increase with that and. They are partially responsible for they're it. They're finally starting to believe in it. Yeah. They're finally like, okay, let's just start let's start checking it. Let's make some stuff happen. I think this week was like a good step in the right direction. In that you front. know what offensive line didn't play well? Uh Oakland. The Oakland Raiders offensive line. You know who yeah. their offensive line coaches? Tom Cable. Was this that... looked like playing against a Tom Cable O line. Oh, I, I thought it was we great. Tom Cable did this thing where he's like, Okay, Frank Clark's on the other side. Basically, you are gonna have one and a half seconds. It's just count one, one one thousand. And then one, and then all of a sudden, Frank Clark is coming after you no matter what. Here's so the thing. go here's, for it. Here's the thing, Eric, is that we played 60 defensive snaps. No defensive lineman played more than 39 of those snaps. And, like, tons of guys had pressures in this game. Yep. Clark had four. Martin had three. Jackson had three. Reed had three. Quinn Jefferson had two. Like, everybody got to, everybody to take got their turn throwing a, guy, throwing a guy on Oakland around. Like Clark was, had two and a half sacks, <clears throat> plus the one sack that was called back on Shaq Griffith's yeah. holding penalty. And I mean, this- Jackson had a sack. Jefferson half a sack, had a half a sack. Reed had a sack that literally anyone else on the team would have had. It's just Reed's the one who happened to get there first. And then uh, Shamar Stefan got a sack. Like this was this is just a field day. And watching the ends was a pleasure. Another thing too is that like when Flowers goes out with the injury, I got worried because. Coleman's either going to have to play on the outside or Thor- Thorpe is going to have to play significant snaps on the outside. And those are things that are not good for the Seahawks because Coleman has a clearly defined role. And when he goes outside of that role, it does get a little tougher for him. And Thorpe has a clearly and, designed role. It's as a gunner. Yeah, and he's the gunner. He's the special teams <laughs> captain. He's not supposed to be playing out in the field in defense. And I thought both those guys did as good as we could expect. Because and it's mostly because this defensive line was just throwing guys around. They were just making it happen. Yeah, Flowers and whoever played in place of Flowers got beat a few times, but it didn't matter because either it got called back on a penalty on the offense, or the defensive line got pressure so fast it didn't matter. So yes, I'm still worried about that corner spot opposite Griffin, but man, if the defensive line plays this way, it's not gonna be exposed that bad. Yeah. Okay. So, Kevin, um, on sh- you know, on short passing and uh, running plays, you can get a stop, right? Yep. How many stops do- in the sixty plays do you think the Seahawks had? 
Just take a take a 58. guess. Fifty-eight. No, uh, <laughs> that would be. We would have won. They would have scored negative points if we did that. Uh, let's it's a see. lot though. So it'd be a stop at uh, at or behind the line of scrimmage, right? Uh, the key says stops are. Uh, looking at the key defensive stops tackles that constitute a loss for the offense, and they put loss in quotes because it's a loss for the play. So okay, so under basically like if they throw yards. like a goal yardage five crossing route, and then they just get stuffed for like one yard. Boom. That's a loss. Uh, did we get seven? We got 24. Jeez. Jaron Reed got four. And the thing is, no guy was doing it by himself. Reed got four. Wagner got four. Clark got three. Jackson got two. Jefferson. You know, it's just like go down the list, right? Everyone got to contribute. Well, and Carr it, had 4.6 yards per attempt. Right. And that's because that's nothing. That's because guys were coming in and getting stops. Mc, Brad. Brad McDougal. Seven tackles, two we stops. Brad. He was targeted four times or five times in the past game. He gave up four receptions. For only 19 yards. Ask me about some Brad when we get to he the ever, season recap. Hey, when he gave out when he gave up 19 yards, 27 of them were after the catch. So some guy caught it behind <laughs> the line and went and went for positive yards. Like that's that's the kind of game this was. They were not throwing it deep at all. No, Oak, they were scared because they couldn't hold the ball. Oakland's that long. passing summary is like like the craziest thing I have ever looked at. Okay, they that was so funny. They attempted one pass over 20 yards. And one pass over 10 yards. And then if you cut it off even lower, they didn't really mm-hmm. even attempt any passes over 7 yards. So it looked like Seattle four weeks they ago. Compl- they passed 11 Zing. times behind the line of scrimmage in his 25 attempts. What? That is absurd. So let me ask this question. Jalen was- Richard was 7 catches on 8 targets for 48 yards with a long of 21. So that means he had 6 catches for... <laughs> For like 27 yards. It's yeah. crazy. That's so what dumb. was it a dumb game plan or was it wh- how scared were they to throw? Because they have weapons before Amari Cooper was murdered by Bradley McDougald. Uh, that is a guy who can stretch the field. They have Jared Cook who can go downfield. They have guys that can actually move the chains. What happened? So they, I think they got sacked six say. times, like, and then like everything just started falling apart. I mean, at that point, yeah, they, I would, they just couldn't adjust, and they tried to run, and then we just stuffed the run. I just look at the Seahawks last year, and obviously, I feel like we have better personnel than they do than the Raiders do. But when when we were getting destroyed, and it was not lost on me watching this game, like, oh, hey, that's that's what we look like the last couple of years. But we could adjust somewhat. You know, Russ would still throw it downfield. You mean I don't... we had a top five quarterback and they have like a 20th Seriously, quarterback? Seriously, I have no idea. Mix that with bad coaching. Yeah, let, I, I mean, don't get it. Let's just get on it, though. Like, I mean, we have the fifth best quarterback in the league. And a lot of people like – like, it's like hot take central on Twitter sometimes with, like, the guys out there saying, like, trade Russell Wilson, get rid of Russell Wilson. And I just – like, I'm sorry that he's not Aaron – literally Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's just that he's just not, though. Like, who and who is – no one else. There's 31 other quarterbacks that Aaron start on NFL teams that aren't Aaron Rodgers. And some games, Aaron Rodgers, not Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you just have to get over it. Like that's it's just ridiculous. And I think that that kind of stuff is what what makes me create the craziest. Is that so? Let's go into the season summary because I think a, that, is, that this is where we're living. He's a top 10 quarterback. Okay, let's. Can I start with DVOA? Because I just want to start with DVOA. Uh, I also would like to talk DVOA, but before that, okay. um, so Edgar's double, Brian. This is for you. Okay. Because uh, the question was, is this a good Hawks team or a decent team that happens to be playing the Raiders this week? And Both? we're about to answer that for you right now. Both. I think like we're. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's my take on the NFL this year. You ready? There's like only three good teams. And then there's a bunch of other teams that I could totally see beating each other. And I think Seattle is kind of at the lower end of that group of like the 
the teams that are pretty decent but not great. Okay, I think the Rams are really good. I think the Chargers are really good. I think Kansas City is really good. And I think New England has good enough coaching that they probably belong in that group. Yeah. And then everyone else, like New Orleans is knocking on the door. That's the other team I could see like being in that group. But their defense is like questionable. And then everyone else has flaws or issues. And the Seahawks are right in that group of like teams that do things well. No but, one wants to play the Seahawks in the first but, round of the playoffs. But has flaws sure. and issues. And it's because our our secondary is really good. And it's mostly, you know, Brad and... Uh, in Tedrick and Earl, you know, like the sa- this safety, <laughs> this safety team is the the truth. Yeah, Earl went out, and we still have one of the best safety tandems in football. Right, like Tedrick is a top twenty five safety, and it, yeah, going from like a Hall of Famer to a top twenty five guy is it's a drop off, but it's not as big of a drop off as. <laughs> and if our front <laughs> four can think. play the way it's been, you know, we're about to get KJ back. That's it's, a big thing. It's a young front four that I think performs better in in favorable situations. And this was a very favorable situation. That England crowd really favored the Seahawks. They were Seahawks focused. When you you could tell when, when a fumble happened and the just the crowd got super loud. Yes. You're like, oh yeah, yep. this crowd likes the Seahawks better than the Raiders. Way to go, UK Seahawks. Yeah, you guys, you guys are even cooler than we thought. Yeah, it's and like, that says something because we thought you were cool. Yeah, it's like we got nine home games this year basically because of that, and so it's it's pretty. It was pretty sweet. Well, we're gonna be playing against the Clippers, so we're getting another home game. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, dude, LA Chargers like they have like the worst. Home. They're good though. Both Chargers fans are gonna be really adamant about it though. Okay, okay. <laughs> DVOA, Kevin. We're fourth in defense. Let's talk defense. What do you what have you seen so far this season about the Seahawks defense? You know, what? let's start with Eric. Let's go, with Eric. Yeah, Eric. What do you seen so far this year from the Seahawks defense that you love? Honestly, <clears throat> Pete Carroll's defense. Like you and you and Kevin and I will always talk about this. Uh, Gus Bradley gets hired by Jacksonville, and Jacksonville is looking to instill this, this excellent Seahawks defense that you made. No, it's it's Pete Carroll's defense. Uh, what's his name is hired in Atlanta. I can't remember his name right Dan now. Quinn. Dan Quinn. The guy's about to get fired. Dan Quinn. Dan Quayle. We need Dan Quayle. Uh, you can't spell potato. And we need you to bring in this great defense that uh, you know you you brought Seahawks to these, to these Super Bowls. Well, that that's not true. It was Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, uh, despite what Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett say, is still a good coach. He may have some uh, hiccups and some challenges or <clears throat> calling timeouts, like a lot of coaches, you know, have their little idiosyncrasies. Oh, Andy Reid him. He is certainly not a terrible amount, thank God. But honestly, he still knows how to coach up his players and teach things uh he's not losing faith in the guys we have if you look at you know people like tedrick thompson people like um tedrick uh, you want tedrick thompson stat eric yeah yeah all right he's he's been in coverage 117 times this this season he has allowed five yards (laughs) uh he has an interception he's first in the league 0.04 yards per coverage snap anyone who has gotten more than a hundred snaps this year but also pete's sticking uh, to his rope that's that's, that's that's crazy absurd earl thomas is 22nd by the way uh he's allowed <laughs> 43 yards in 133 snaps when we said it wasn't a huge drop off from earl to thomas to tedrick we weren't like trying to make a joke like well, that was a serious comment like that this drop off was not as big as people are gonna make it out to be. Uh, second point, when we were saying we should be playing three safeties and scrap the linebackers, these were the three this safeties. Is the three yeah. safeties, and we were right. Yeah, these guys, these guys should have all been sir. on the field, please. But look at what Pete Carroll's done. He's brought in people like Justin Coleman, Bradley McDougald. He's mm-hmm. sought out the talent. He's he's had some challenges working out his rotation on the D line, and that's starting to pay off. Um, 
I also got this really weird take. Hey, I kind of want to bring up. Eric, you brought up Sherman. Can I? Can I give a? Can you talk about Sherman? Sure. Man. Sherman has been excellent this year, and the 49ers still suck. It's like the best. I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> like, sure, you're good. You're fine. You were right. You're good. You bet on yourself. Your team sucks. It's, take, take that, Richard Sherman. It's so true, though. I will say this: Pete Carroll's trusting his process, and it's paying off for us. And I really love the fact that we actually are reloading. And I don't think it's all blue skies from here. We're still going to have some bad games. I still don't know if we're going to make the playoffs. But that is what I've seen from this defense, Nathan. Yeah. Um, slot corners. Uh, we got a, we got a good one in Justin Coleman. I've been very happy with like the progression of of Justin Coleman as a slot corner. You know, there's 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 slot specialists in the league, right? Every team has one now. Chris Harris Jr. and Nickel Roby Coleman. Uh, Justin Coleman is fifth in the league in yards per snap among slot corners, 0.66 guys who have taken 20 per, uh, 40, 42 or more snaps in the in the slot this season. Well, so. and to back that up, if you look at DVOA, so we're fourth against wide receiver one, we're tenth against wide receivers like beyond wide receiver two, right? So you, that's usually you're talking about your inside receivers there. Yeah. We're tenth against tight ends, and that's after the first couple weeks when we were figuring out what to do without KJ. And we're sixth against running backs. That's a testament to A, Bobby coming back and playing well, and B, the safety play. The only places we're having trouble, like we're second against deep passes, which again says something about safety play. Um, We're second versus uh, passes to the right, third versus passes to the middle. We are 25th against passes to the left, and we are 20th against wide receiver two. Basically, if you are targeting our number two corner, then you are making plays on us. If you're targeting anywhere else on the field, you are probably getting shut the hell down. So it's like every other year, the last five, six years. So that means with the turnover that we had and everything, our numbers are actually a little better uh, against the running backs and tight ends. And we'll talk about in a second, our efficiency numbers on the defensive line are actually better. Can I can I can present I, a hot take? Oh, no, I'm sorry, I just got to get this out of the Bake way. Bake this away. Bake Michael away. Bennett, uh, very, very good, uh, very boisterous. Remember when we had this unstoppable defense, this Legion of Boom, this unstoppable pass rush, but we couldn't get home to the quarterback? Yep. And we were always talking about, like, there's holds. Is it possible that, and I think you can look at the Minnesota Vikings and the Rams as as good examples. When you're such a powerhouse, they even the playing field. They allow holds on the offensive line just because they don't want to watch 20 sacks a game. And I feel like this line being very good, but not being nearly as boisterous. Uh, this is a very leading question to support my point. Do you think that maybe this is just good enough to show our talent without being shut down because of who we are, quote unquote? No, I think it's this is actually, a real question. It sounds like a hot take, but it's something I've thought about. I think it's while. more like when this when the defensive line first started to come around the first time, where we had a lot of fresh bodies we could rotate all the time, and with that forces Russell, you to do Russell was cheap, so we had twenty more million dollars to work with, mm-hmm. right? And Rams. so we had uh, Clemens and Averill and Bennett. We had this Younger rotation. Too, yeah. uh, Bruce Irvin could come in and play snaps. Now imagine you're a right tackle. You have Michael Bennett lined up across from you with his power move, jumping the snap. And then the next snap, you suddenly have Bruce Irvin 
you, you just dropped 40 pounds and gained like about an extra half a second a different on technique speed. and then you have the bag of tricks of cliff averill across from you the next snap and how much that would screw with you you have to constantly change what you're doing when rt line had what played the guys played about 39 percent all of them uh this, what happened was they would all play like 50 percent or less of snaps right just, exactly. and just like last game though yeah, yeah. but the, that's what i'm saying it's Which like is that what pete wants his front seven do. and the and the right tackle is playing 100 percent of snaps exactly yeah. so he has to deal with this constant barrage of changes it's like in on offense when they keep changing which wide receivers are on the field and you have to keep your eyes out because whoever can line up wherever well the our defensive front four is multiple right now, and I think that's what you're seeing. And when Pete Carroll gets to do what he wants, I think that's something that you see on defense. And he's getting to do that this year. I think it's only going to get harder for other teams as Green gets healthy and as some of these younger guys kind of mesh and get chances to play together and really improve. Yeah, so a defensive line stat, uh, Frank Clark. Frank Clark is getting a uh, pass rush pressure on 9.7% up to a pressure or some kind of pressure on 9.7% of all of his snaps this year. That puts him good for fifth in the league, just behind Khalil Mack uh, and just ahead of Bradley Chubb. So that's that's some pretty good company to be in Yep. Uh, for, for our guy, uh, Earl, our Frank Clark, who has kind of come into his own as a, a an elite pass rusher in the NFL this year. Um, another thing, uh, Bradley, Bradley McDougald is, is second in the league behind just Earl Thomas and the uh, Texan safety for, uh, for most efficient tacklers among safeties. So there's some more, uh, defensive stats to chew on. For yeah. Him. We're pretty much dead up middle of the league against the run, but we've been an elite pass defense this year. Yeah. I, and I, and in the modern NFL, that's where you want to be. And other th- teams don't want to have to run it. All I think the time. it'll improve too. When KJ comes back, to be honest with you, I think that balances out a lot of our problems. He's better in coverage. He's better in, in run support. He's just a better football player. He was so good last year. And I really had to eat crow because I thought, man, this guy's not going to be worth the contract. He's an outside linebacker in a four, three. It's just never worth it. But he, he was killer last year. Yeah. Gavin, that one's to answer your question on Twitter. Um, one of the biggest weaknesses we have right now, uh, dealing with uh, filling up all the holes in the run game and a little bit of working against tight ends. Those are two areas where KJ helps us out. Um, right now, Barcavius Mingo is playing too many coverage snaps. Anytime we can pull him off for coverage snaps, we are benefiting ourselves because KJ can still rush the passer, maybe not quite as well as Mingo, but he can rush well enough where you can still blitz him. Um, he offers us much better coverage options. There's one name that we have not brought up yet, and it's like the the heart of the defense, guys. The the is the that man, one William Wagner? Billy Billy Bob? No, Bobby Wagner. <laughs> Bob. Let's all try and change his Bobby, name so bad. A Bob Wagner. Bobby Wagner. Okay. It's, wow. What has been so great about Bobby's season? I I don't even know where to start. Like it's uh, just. It's you might so say that he is the straw that stirs the drink. He does everything. The Seahawks defense. There's like nothing he sucks at. He has good. He has good run, run block. He has okay. He's got 25 tackles. He has 13 stops. He's been targeted 21 times in the passing game and given up just 157 yards. That's like really. That's really solid uh, numbers. Solid for numbers, a especially for a guy record. who gave up like a couple 20 yard, uh, 20 yard. This is early in the passes. season too. I mean, he just he's just been awesome all year, and I just think that also i think he has the highest pro football focus rating of any linebacker right now so i mean there's just got the guy's just killing it like what what else do we need right like i'm just very very excited about 
Yeah, mainly we just don't want you to lose the fact when a player is this good this long at a position like inside linebacker, it's easy to kind of forget. It's like when Ichiro was just, oh, he just hits like 320 every year. Yeah, okay. Of of linebackers who have played at least 20% of the maximum 451, so that's going to be like 90 snaps. Of linebackers played more than 90 snaps. Bobby is first in pro football focus rating, 89.1. Leighton Van Der Esch came in second. Keekly in third. So I mean, he's a good. He's he is crushing it right now. Just playing so so efficient, so good. He has four pass breakups, which is like pretty absurd for a linebacker. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of his work. Yeah, the guy's a superstar. Like, keep, do, keep do not up. forget we have one of those on defense. Yeah, it's like just on a really of, modest contract. Too. Just because Earl got hurt doesn't mean Bobby's still not out there just crushing it. So, all right. And honestly, Bobby's the one we don't have a talent to replace. I don't want to talk about the offense too much because I feel like they finally turned the corner and I just kind of want to like, don't want to jinx it at this point. Okay, I do want to talk about the offense because there's a couple of things to Don't jinx it, Kevin. So, (laughs) we finally did play action. One thing I want to talk about, (laughs) offensive line numbers. Uh, Our offensive line is not perfect, but I want to talk about it where it is versus where it was. So we're 29th in adjusted sack rate, 10.1%, which doesn't seem great until you realize that uh, we played against Denver, 5th in adjusted sack rate on defensive line, Chicago, 3rd, Dallas, 8th, Arizona, 10th. So for our first six games, four of them are against top uh, top 10 defensive lines and sacks. Two of them were against top five. So that's going to create a little bit of an issue there. The second thing is that our offensive line, 4.25 adjusted line yards is 17th. This is a team that's been perennially somewhere between like 25th and 32nd for the last several seasons. A jump up to 17th. Remember what we kept saying last year? Man, if we just had like the 18th to 22nd best offensive line. You guys, we have the 18th to 22nd best offensive line. Like we're there. We found that spot. You know, that it feels like it, too, because it feels like we've made a huge stride, but at times we give up dumb sacks. <laughs> yeah, we're not in <laughs> and, a great spot, like 18th, but we're in a good spot. 18th sounds exactly like that description. Yeah, Chris Carson's number 16 in DVOA among running backs, uh, 26th in success rate. And this is the one I think is really interesting. Uh, right now, the Seattle Seahawks have 159 running back carries. That is number one in the NFL. After we were, I believe, dead last in running back carries last year. We abandoned the run. We are back to running the ball. Um, to We are running to set up the pass, which I know a lot of the modern statistician guys will say is not the right way to do it. But it's the formula that's worked best for our team. When we've been doing this, when we've been opening it up, it allows Russ to be efficient and to put the ball downfield and that's what russ is good at can can i say something so russell wilson attempted eight play action passes in the last game and that's good because when the seahawks run play action pass they average 4.8 more yards per attempt than when they do not run a play action pass so getting that percentage higher and using the run to make those plays more uh, palatable for the for the offensive coordinator is really going to push this team up to kind of the the next level you know and the guys at the top of this list are not you know phil rivers uh, case keenum you know case keenum is great no i'm just kidding but but (laughs) but these are these are ways you can get your offense to be more efficient right is to use play action well and i felt like last week we really saw them turn the corner on that yeah and it helps the offensive line because it gives the offensive line that split second more time to be able to hold their blocks so that russ can pump the ball downfield and 
Russ is a solid midfield thrower. He's his short game is okay, but sometimes he overshoots a guy. Um, he is a plus runner, even though you couldn't tell this season. But he is elite at deep ball passing. And anything that allows that part of his game to shine is something that needs to be highlighted in our offense. When his passes to David Moore, just the touch on those throws. So beautiful. So oh, beautiful. And the trust in his receivers is always nice to see, too. When he, he establishes that trust early. It's it's funny. He hasn't had a lot of time to work with Moore. But he, like you said, he's used him like he used Paul Richardson. You want to hear something crazy? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has... 30 play action attempts in the, the the few the three games he played. That's nuts. They they threw play action a lot in San Francisco. Holy that's smokes. not surprising actually. Um yeah, it's part of the big part of their offense. Yeah, but that is like a that's a crazy big number, I agree. All right. Um time in pocket. What did, so last game, do you feel like the time in pocket issue got better, worse, same? Do you do you guys have any read on it? What how did it feel watching the game? Uh, I feel like it was about the same as the previous game. But it's just that we are blocking a worse defensive unit. So yeah. it's probably somewhere right in that like 2.6 to 2.8. We're 17th in the league, 2.6, which is a big improvement on the season longs, 2.74, which would, put a, which would put us like last in the league, basically 33rd. Uh, that means we're behind someone who played like half a season, probably Garoppolo or something. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty pretty bad we went from pretty bad to pretty average and that kind of stuff makes a big difference it, it, it's a game of inches they make that joke but it really is where the the smallest changes a few more play action passes getting the ball just a, a little bit faster has re- really made a huge difference in that game and yeah we played against a team that has no pass rush and probably and it's one of the five worst defenses in the league but if we can't take advantage of that we we really don't belong and so it was nice to see the team just put them away and like like i said they're turning the corner well if you look at the most the like the top five teams in the league whoever those teams are to you they're not doing everything great they're doing one or two things well, the, great the, the rams are uh yeah but uh, ask, ask they're, Kevin Howell. they're definitely getting exposed in the deep pass game and their defensive line has not been getting good pressure aaron donald is the aaron donald straight you're right so, they are the best at having aaron donald he's so good <laughs> hey kevin uh, how do you feel about jared goff though uh, I feel like he's solid. Yeah, he's solid. But he's but he's not like the best. My point is, if is you put him in a position to succeed, he will though, and they definitely are. And <laughs> I feel like Sean McVay is is reaping the rewards of the honeymoon part of his uh, coaching career. But at the same time, like every team is doing something decent, a little bit better, and then a few things excellent. And that's that's a path that the Seahawks are on. It's good to see again and soon. Yeah. So do we want to talk about the outlook for the rest of the season? Sure, undefeated. Uh, we're <laughs> sorry, going, sorry. Just, we're going to lose to the Rams. Wait, I got then, I want, then I want to hear. Wait, we're going to lose all the games, and then I know that yeah. Eric is officially swapped bodies with Brett. Well, you know. Okay, here, here's the thing, guys. Okay, so it's like if we if Aaron. This is why I'm so into Aaron Donald because, like, if you you list out everyone, edge defenders, welcome to from the Rams. Edge, edge defenders and defensive <laughs> interior. Well, we're talking about the rest of the season, and this is the, this is a team that we have to try to catch. He has 41 total pressures. The next best guy is 34, and if you go down to fifth, it's 29. Like, that's absurd. The amount of pressure that this man is able to create is, from the interior of a defense, It's we don't see guys like this come along very often. You know, it's like Warren He's Sapp. He's a generational talent. It's You're a right. Warren Sapp, and then we get we get an Aaron Donald every once in a while, right? So it's 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 really cool, uh, fun to watch. And it, not everybody wants to be in our freak, If it wasn't in our freaking division, like, that's the thing that's 
that sucks the most to me is that this guy, <laughs> 12 teams passed on him and he ended up in our stupid division. Like, I don't like that, but I like, he's really good at football. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to try to prognosticate the rest of the season. You want to dig into the schedule, Eric? Yep. All right, let's do it. So um, we have Detroit. We're at Detroit. That's, we, then, can get, we can get a W there. Then we're versus the Clippers. Uh, lose. So the Clippers at home. Uh, Rams on the road. Lose. Nah. Lose. I want to get one back, but yeah, we had our chance. Green Bay at home. Win. Carol- I think it's a win. I think it's a win too. Carolina on the road. That's, uh, that's a, a win. That's a coin flip. That's for a me. coin flip. I want to say win though. Okay. Uh, San Francisco. Win. Anywhere. Win. Win. Uh, Minnesota at home. Win. At I, this point, man, that's a win. I'm going to go coin flip, so I'm going to say Carolina lost, Minnesota win. But you I could think flip with that. Minnesota's offensive line, when our defensive line yeah. is playing at home, gotcha. I think we should be able to own that game. Agreed. And I'll be the optimist on Monday, here. On Monday night, too. This team plays good on Monday night. Yeah, my only question there is... Uh, they're going to throw a lot. And they're going to throw a lot, rules. and will they expose our uh, second quarterback, or will we have figured something out for by then? At San Francisco, win. At San Francisco win. Versus Kansas City. Hopefully they're resting their starters and win. Probably a loss, but could be a win. Uh, and then we end the season with Arizona at home. Better be a win. <laughs> uh, did we not that's just like, like count that's like, two or three losses? So it's like nine and seven or ten and six, depending on how optimistic you well, are. Well, it seems like it's almost exactly what we said before the season. Yeah. This team should be with Earl. Yeah. So nine and seven or ten and six. Uh, that puts us in a uh, in a fringy playoff spot. So we'll finish. Okay, let's say we'll finish between eight and eight and ten and six. Now, a lot of people would say, like, if you're eight and eight, that's like the worst spot you can be in because you're going to be picking in the middle of the draft. But this team's already so young that I wouldn't, I don't mind them getting the experience as an eight and eight team winning and learning how to win and coming back next year with the 13th draft pick. Which, if this year we had the 13th draft pick, I think we'd have Derwin James, and I would be super into oh, that. Uh, <laughs> so, I couldn't wait to play four safeties. So yeah, just get more sa- <laughs> more safeties on the field. Uh, so I mean, I'm I'm into it. Like I. All the safeties. So yeah, I, I think anywhere between any eight and eight and above is a success for this team, and I think the team should be incredibly happy with the direction that they're heading. And um, you know yeah, my sneaky, uh, my sneaky. Schottenheimer still pick. sucks though. For I next think we're going to spend year? like a second or third round pick on a corner. Well, we can't spend a second round pick on anyone, Kevin. Well, Thanks, you don't Jeremy know yet. Uh, Thanks, too Jeremy soon. Lane. You don't Too know soon. Yet. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy Lane. <laughs> the gift that keeps on taking. Uh, Jeremy. Uh, stay in your lane. So uh, I think that Flowers is going to pull Chris Carson, get injured and de- defeat our season. Well, no, he's going to um, have like kind of a, a a shaky but optimistic rookie year, and then come in compete with a rookie and kind of win the job from him. Oh, uh, okay. So next year they'll bring in like a third round cornerback who's supposed to win the job. Because I'll be honest with you, if we're picking in the top fifteen, there's no way we're not picking a defensive lineman. There's like there's too many good. There's like 15 first round yeah. talents, and we'll talk about that when we get to the yeah. uh, college football game. Yeah, for the so, week. All right, we need to get to that, Kevin, because we're we're uh, we're actually doing way over on time compared to where I expected. So, Kevin, what should we? Since we know predictions this week, what should we watch in college football this all week? Right. In the I'll give week? you three fun games, and I'll actually preview one. So, Michigan plays Michigan State. Rivalries are fun. Colorado plays Washington. Secondaries are fun. Washington State plays Oregon. Pac-12 after dark is fun. Well, it's not after dark. It's not the true after dark game. It's the four thirty game. All Pac twelve games are after dark, Nathan. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Kevin, there is there is a Pac twelve game every week that starts at like ten thirty. Yeah, I know it's so good. Arizona UCLA this week, which for some reason UCLA is favored, which just cracks me up. It's because Arizona is really bad. Uh, so so is UCLA though. number sixteen NC State <laughs> is taking on number three Clemson at twelve thirty, and I haven't gotten to go over Clemson yet. 
They're a very talent-rich team. They should be able to take out NC State, but Clemson has a tendency to play with their food. So this could be kind of interesting. NC State has kind of a game manager quarterback in Ryan Finley. They have a wide receiver in Calvin Harmon and linebacker Jermaine Pratt. Clemson. Clemson's got Hunter Renfo, Renfro, their part-time quarterback, full-time wide receiver, who's very, very good. Uh, Mitch Hyatt on at the at offensive tackle. Uh, Kendall Joseph and Trey Lamar at linebacker. Mark Fields at corner. Isaiah Simmons and Tanner Muse at safety. But the reason you're watching Clemson is their defensive line. Clemson had basically three high draft pick defensive linemen who all decided to come back for one more year. And now they have it doesn't four make, high draft pick defensive doesn't linemen. doesn't make any sense. Like, they all could have come out, and they all were just like, eh, let's but run it back and win a national title. Because They like, might have three first-round defensive linemen. They might have three top-20 defensive linemen. There's, so, Clellan Farrell, there's Austin two guys Bryant, Dexter 10. Lawrence, and Christian Watkins are all, like, plus-plus players. But it's really, what, Clellan Farrell and uh, Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, and I think... NC State's undefeated, so this game's getting like a lot of hype, like two undefeated teams. But NC State hasn't played anyone yet. And yeah, their game against West Virginia got canceled due to weather. Clemson should kill NC State. It, they should, but sometimes level. they play with their food, so it might yeah. be oddly close when it shouldn't be. So it could be a fun game. But if you want to watch an elite, elite defensive line, if you want to drool over somebody the Seahawks might be able to pick up with a top 15 pick next year, watch Clemson. Yeah. Because if what's happened in the past is any indication, when there's a super talent-rich defensive line, usually one or two of the players slips further than they should. Because there's the guys who get credited with doing all the work, and then there's the other guys that are better than you think. All right, Kevin, here's my thing right here. Ready? LSU Mississippi State because Mississippi Ugh. State Mississippi State is the most random team. Like they could definitely win this game or also score six points. Mississippi State has the best running back that plays quarterback in college football. Okay, I agree with that. They're like not good, <laughs> but they're also not bad. It's just a really they have weird a really team. good offensive coordinator too. But I LSU is kind of my favorite team right now because they're just good enough that they could just like burn everyone's butt. Like they have just enough upside that they could beat Bama. Oh, but I, they could also lose by 50 to Bama. Yeah, I mean, they did lose to Florida. Yeah, but they beat Georgia. Yeah, they're, they're just... <laughs> like, handily. Both these teams are, like, it's completely dumb. random. Like It's I, really dumb. The final score of this game is going to be, like, 9-6, to six, and I'm going to throw up at the end. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's going to be some classic SEC football. All right. for uh, If you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and join Legion of fans who get our picks every week, who get to hear us talk about all of our favorite... Uh, all of our favorite NFL teams, and you know, I'm, I'm going to really go off this week on Aaron Donald. Just kidding. I I'd save that for the real <laughs> podcast. Uh, so I just want to thank all of our patrons. Let me get on my patron manager right here and say thank you to Forrest, Richard, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Chuckatilla, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Mirza, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Michelle, and Nick. Thank you guys so much for supporting the CSNS podcast. It helps us more than you could ever know. If you Big don't have, if you don't have any money, Facebook.com slash SeahawksNest, uh, Twitter.com slash SeahawksNest. Uh, go to SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating. Five stars. It helps us find more people just like you who also want to hear three idiots talk about the Seahawks. All right, you guys ready? Let's do this. This is going to take a while, so I want to try to go fast Here we on the go. money zone. Horror villain eliminator okay Ooh, so just the villain not the movie horror villain eliminator i don't want you to think about the vi- movie i want you to think about the villain this week ho- halloween comes to theater a theater near you starring michael myers who's one of your choices here let me go through all the choices really quick uh annie wilkes from misery carrie white 
Freddy Krueger, It from It Follows. I'm sorry, Carrie White. Who's Carrie White? Carrie White from Carrie. Carrie. Oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> it from It Follows. She's not a Jack, Jack Torrance. I guess you could call the mom's the villain then. Uh, would you want to change that to her mom? Carrie White Sr. She's an anti-hero. You can go ahead and keep okay, it. Okay, anyway, Jack Torrance, Jason Voorhees, Jaws, or Shark from Jaws. Sure. Uh, Jigsaw. <laughs> John Shark from Jaws. Get out of here. John Doe from Seven. John Ryder from The Hitcher, which is my like sentimental pick. It's uh, because I love Rutger Hauer. Uh, <laughs> Leatherface yes. from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Michael Myers. Norman Bates from Psycho. Pazuzu from The Exorcist. Pennywise the Clown. Pinhead from Hellraiser. Sudoku from The Ring. The Babadook. The Blob. The Thing. And the Xenomorph from Alien, which is a horror movie. Anybody who says it's not can at me. All right. Uh, I said I'd give you guys room to add some. Is there anything that I missed in this horror villain eliminator? Kevin. Yeah, I'm adding the tall man. The tall man. Okay. I don't even know what movie you're referencing specifically, so can you tell me? Uh, so, uh, Phantasm was oh, a... Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. I know. Yeah. It's a good character. Yeah, okay, sweet. Tall oh. man from Phantasm. Eric, is there one that you would like to add? Man, I just feel like I want to put, like, you have a sentimental favorite, and I really want to put Chris Sarandon from Fright Night in there. Okay. I, just, I just do. He's going to get eliminated first. I just love him. He. I really look forward to Eric eliminating him because he just knows. Yeah. I just. Uh, the the okay, be the one. But have you seen The Hitcher? Like, yeah. Rucker oh, yeah. Hauer crushes in that movie. He's scary. Like, he's Rucker a, Hauer he's is a great villain. Is a gem movie. of an actor despite. Uh, he's like uh, the original Nicholas Cage. I don't have to argue for Rucker Hauer yet, though. Okay. So, uh, all right. Let's roll. Uh, we'll roll the old uh, Seahawks Nest dice. I just got a. Okay. Um, here we go. Uh, this is Kevin. Here we go. Uh, it is Eric. Eric. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to take out John Doe. John Doe from Seven. I, I I really like that movie, and he's a great psychological villain. But sorry, Kevin Spacey. You're uh, gross. You're, you're gross. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, you're up. Uh, yeah, I'm going to eliminate Freddy Krueger because I always thought that was a weak character Yeah, from a weak set of movies. All right, I'm going oh, to do something similar, which is like... <laughs> I don't really like these movies that much, and I don't think the villain is like it's 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 like uh, Pinhead. I'm I'm not a big Hellraiser fan. I just don't oh. not super into it. The box. Uh, there's there's it. there's definitely like five favorites for me on this, and he's not one of them. Uh, Pin, but I'm gonna say Hellraiser. Like it's it's both under and overrated at the same time somehow. Like it's horror, <laughs> horror buffs will hate you for that choice. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and eliminate the Blob because the remake of the Blob in like 1987 was decent. 78. That was a good one. Yeah, Blob 78. No man, I'm talking with uh with Matt Dillon's younger brother. It's oh. like 89. <laughs> That's the point. Like no one remembers this game, this movie at all. Bye, all right, Kevin. Um, I'm going to eliminate Carrie because I do think that she has too much of a blurred line between villain and sympathetic character. Yeah, I'm going to eliminate Jigsaw just because, like... Because I, those movies should have ended I after the first one? I just don't like the... Yeah, the first Saw movie's pretty good, and then I just... There's, like, so much lore in those movies that I just don't care about. I'm just, like... I could not care any less about the, like, overall lore of the Saw movies, and they just, like, keep being made, and they keep adding to this, like background lore with this guy has kids. Yep, don't I don't know anyone who cares either. Okay, uh, if in the vein of what Kevin did, and I hope I don't want to offend anyone, Leatherface. Oh, actually Leatherface oh, was I think the Leatherface one I, is actually a good character. Leatherface yeah. is the one I wanted to win, Eric. So, okay, I knew justify, I was going to somebody else. Justify just your Leatherface pick. pick right here. I don't care, man. I don't like him. I don't think he's a great character. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is okay. awesome. I think the, the remake argument. So, here's the thing. I think the remakes kind of ruined the character but in the original movie like the whole like cannibal family and everything the way it's yeah. shot um that is an interesting 
I, I look at him as a representation of the family, like the creepy grandfather and like like the way that they're like feeding him and like there's some really I mean, like weird I, scenes. I can agree with that, Kevin. But going back with that, your pick to eliminate Freddy, you take the original Nightmare on Elm Street. That is some really deep psychological disturbing stuff. I'll say I didn't even like that one. Okay, that's fine. That's <laughs> so just that's it's, where I'm it's at. Very personal. Sorry, sorry, I made you mad. Hey, you go ahead. That's the whole point of the kill. Eliminator. You can go ahead and stake my vampire now. Uh, I am. Fright Night. Yep. Out. Yeah. Out. Fair. Uh, I am going to. Oh, this is. It's like a lot of stuff that I kind of like left. I'm going to eliminate Jaws, the shark, because I think that it was. Kind of, I put it on there as like I wanted to talk about how Jaws is a horror movie and people don't people underrate the the horror aspects of that movie but the scenes without jaws are way scarier than the ones with yeah yeah but the scariest part is not the shark the villain is kind of, he's as a villain he's kind of weak yes uh but but like i don't know jaws is an awesome yeah movie. the animatronic shark breaking for most of the movie save that movie do you need, do you need, do you need a recap eric or <laughs> uh no no i don't need it yet uh i will just say i think it's i'm glad that kevin included him but i think it's time for you to go tall man yeah i think this is a fair spot yeah for the tall man to especially with seeing how far pinhead went <laughs> yeah, pin. I, I just that was a personal issue. I just wanted to get him out of here real early. Kevin, who are you giving the hook to? This All right, I'm hooking the Babadook. Babadook. I think that uh, that fucking kid annoys me so much that by proxy, I'm eliminating the Babadook. Babadook's scary though, man. Like in that movie, like that's solid. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go ahead and take out um, it from It Follows. Ooh, it's just a, it's oh. just like a uh, a walking demon that walks towards you, and it is scary. But like, and it does weird stuff, man. Like there are some truly disturbing visual images that they put into that movie. But I mean, it's just that's a, that's such a good ambiance scare movie. It's just the horror of STDs, right? Okay, let's get it out of here <laughs> uh, without having to go through. A, you can do this. You can do a recap after this. Take out uh, Sudoku from the ring. All right. So now now we're going to do a recap. We are down to our final three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Perfect. We, we're down to our top ten. Here we go. Annie Wilkes from Misery. Jack Torrance from The Shining. Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th. John Ryder from Hitcher. Which my that's my guy, dude. I'm I'm glad he made it to the top ten. It's probably about time for him to go. Yep, <laughs> Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Uh, Norman Bates from Psycho. Uh, Pazuzu from The Exorcist. Pennywise the Clown. The Thing and the Xenomorph from Alien. Kevin. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and take out the Hitcher here. All right. I think it's time we have to eliminate. We have to draw the line between things that are very enjoyable characters, and then uh, I think more iconic in depth. I, I feel like the Hitcher. The Hitcher provides atmosphere, but the character himself does not provide a lot. I mean, it's just like, it's like they they made like this budget. Um, it's it's an urban legend. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> just like they were like really like bringing it in this movie. Okay, um, I'm gonna eliminate the demon from The Exorcist. I think that, that is a character that has more depth than they should. But this is about where at the right time. It's kind of like. Um, I think it's the movie's scary, and I think it does a good job. And the, all the actors, you know, do a really good job of portraying this like demonic entity. But... When the demon addresses the priest, is always a good scene. Like it's almost like kind when of it's... a musty TV moment. Where you're like, oh, what are they going to do to mess with the priest? You'll see from my next couple picks. It's hard for me to give um a, a, like the best movie villain to something that's not played by like a singular actor like that. Does that make, does that make sense? No, I think that's totally yep, fair. Because um, I'm about to eliminate one wait, that's just like sorry, that. Turn the same though, reason. Eric's. I know. Uh, Eric's gonna eliminate mine. I, maybe I. Oh, I. I was. I think that given our age and who we are, there's really no reason from this point on to have Norman Bates in there. Okay. okay. I think he's. I think he's fine. Uh, but you're done. You're good. Yeah, I would agree. So then I'm gonna eliminate the thing. 
because Tough the choice, thing, but I get great it. movie, but as far as an individual villain, I think it's I think it's had its time in this yeah. in this eliminator. And also, if you're in a movie and you kill a dog, you deserve to get eliminated. I'm it's- gonna go. I'm gonna go with. <laughs> yeah, this is where it gets. This is uh, these last I six. Hate you. These last six include four of my top ones. I'm going to go with Annie Wilkes from Misery. I think this movie has some of like the most singular greatest scenes. It's probably the best acting performance on this list. Very disturbing character. It's super disturbing. Um, if you want to see a funny version of this, though, go on YouTube and search for the lady who's like asking for the books at Barnes & Noble that the lady's <laughs> obsessed with in this movie. It's so funny. All right. Um, so the, she's, she's out. We're down to our top five. Jack Torrance, Jason Voorhees, Mike Myers, Pennywise the Clown, and the Xenomorph from alien who's the best villain eric all right so who's the worst who's the worst villain of these this is this is this is where it gets really hard it's nitty-gritty time man there's is, two that if you eliminate i'm gonna be super upset nah, I, I think that i think you could justify all of these being and i will i would just say uh it's hard to do it pennywise the clown. no oh damn it i'm sorry kevin Dude, it's, it's the clown not the spider you're eliminating the clown <laughs> deal with that <laughs> Because as a spider, as a spider, fully fully behind you. As a clown, Kevin, great, so, great villain. It's Kevin, hard. I knew you were waiting for a joke right there, and you, you definitely, I could just tell. I don't yeah. know how I knew. But I'll say this, though. The two great performances by two totally different actors yep. in two totally different oh. ways. And uh, so they both did a really good job. I don't job like a lot of new horror movies because they suck. They're all about CGI. <laughs> there is jump. They rely Too on jump scares. jump scares. And the new It movie had uh, it had plenty of jump scares. It wasn't perfect, but it had enough ambiance. This is hard, but uh, every it's great hard. horror movie has jump scares. But every great horror movie has ambiance that keeps you on edge the whole time. And, and the jump scares are like the frosting on the cake. All right, Kevin, can't you see the jar all frosting? Right, can so you? I'm Kevin? stuck between two. I want to eliminate here. Uh, there's i think the, choices I think, is not a choice to be honest with you they're Keeps all justifiable me. to me at this point like they're all great and i think you just got to kind of pick your poison so i'm gonna eliminate jason here all right Ooh. i think that's fair that's okay. i think where i was uh, as well jason Voorhees. the problem is that the more movies you go the worse he is as a character and honestly my favorite portrayal of jason Voorhees, the remake where he is a crazy psycho hillbilly who uses traps the 2009 remake of Friday the Thir- or, uh, reboot of Friday the Thirteenth movie that should be getting sequels got crapped on, didn't deserve it. Never saw it. Uh, what about when he punched that guy's head off and Jason takes Manhattan? Uh, Go I ahead, Nathan. Preferred when he had the girl in the sleeping bag and he <laughs> swung he it, swung it, and into the tree and just made a sack of bones. Can we go? Can we go back in time and not eliminate Jason? <laughs> Jason is eliminated. He's gone. Jason eliminated. Right, this is my last elimination. You eliminated the clown, you dick. Ooh, I gotta choose Kevin between Jack choose. Torrance, Mike Myers. And the Xenomorph from Alien. Anyone who knows me really well knows that Alien is like one of my ten favorite movies. So I have a really hard time doing it, even though I did say I would have a hard time keeping something that that was not played by like a singular actor. But the the Xenomorphs are so freaking scary uh, in that movie. They are in space. No one can hear you scream. Uh, Jack Torrance is like an all time uh, like great uh, performance and movie villain for me, and so. At the end of the day, I'm just going to have to say, like, it's the, kind of the same as what Kevin said with Jason, which is that, like, the more movies, Halloween movies that got made, it took a little of the shine off of this character. And I'm I'm glad they're ignoring all of the Halloween movies except the first one and the new one. Yep. I'm going to eliminate Michael Myers at this point and leave Eric with the choice between the Xenomorph from Alien and Jack Torrance. And I can't, they don't think you can pick wrong. Let you me know say what? real quick, that hurts my heart that Michael Myers got eliminated because... 
that was the first horror franchise I fell in love with. It's, it's but I 100% agree that there are some movies where you're like, this Michael Myers sucks. Yeah. Why, why did they make... Like, I actually think that, surprisingly enough, the one that Rob Zombie made is not that the bad. Two, the two no, that he made? No, but H2O was really bad. Yeah, but, Basically... I like to stop after Season of the Witch because Silver Shamrock Corporation for life. <laughs> <laughs> season of the Witch is like both bad and good. That is an amazing I kind of wish you'd have put that in a great there. movie. I would have put, hey, Eric, yeah. is our best superhero villain the Xenomorph from Alien or Jack Torrance? All right, so the clues have been here the whole time. You've said, uh, you know, that the more you make uh, of a movie with a character, it takes the shine off. Ooh. Blah, blah, blah. I'm, this is my favorite all along. I'm eliminating the Xenomorph, even though I love that you put that in there. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. Having said that, it's only one in Alien, and that's what made it scary. In Aliens, it was super yeah, scary they, and super cool, but it was, took it was a like a sci-fi up. movie. It became an action movie. It, thank you, Kevin. Uh, Alien versus Predator sucks. I, I, I knew you'd eliminate Xenomorph. That's kind of why I left it for you, because I didn't want to be but, the one but to do honestly, it. But like, let's honestly, let's, let's give some time to the champion, Jack Torrance. Watch the Shining. So Pennywise, uh, really good. Oh. <laughs> Jack Torrance, I watched The Shining with a producer Brett back in, uh, honestly, probably three years ago around this time. It was like October 19th, 2015, went to uh, Tacoma and got scared because we were in Tacoma. Then we watched that movie on the big screen. And uh, yeah, it's still creepy. It's got the ambiance. It's got the score. It's There's it's, so many like Easter eggs in this movie if you oh, like really want to look so for them. so much My only thing with that is, and this is my only not, well, two knocks. One... Uh, when the guy from Wings played uh, Jack Torrance, oh. but uh, the the real knock, the thing that I will say is Jack Torrance is not the villain in this movie. The Lookout Hotel is. Yeah. Okay. I can I can dig that. But I, I understand but, why because Jack Torrance is like the avatar of the yeah, hotel. Right. Exactly. And, and I fully respect that. One thing I love about this movie though is like the the lore and the Easter eggs. Like so like infamously Stephen King thinks this movie sucks and like we bag yep. on it all the time because <laughs> it's and, not like the book because it's not like the book and like Kubrick kept changing small things that didn't matter and Stephen King was getting all pissy about it like no he drives a yellow Volkswagen at this point so like if the beginning of the movie when the guy's driving up the hill there's like a broken down yellow Volkswagen on the side <laughs> of the so road petty. which is just like between two creative which people is just there's like, so much cocaine in that room right he's just like he basically just the director is giving king the middle finger right there you know he's just like yeah you you want me to keep everything exactly the same i'm not gonna do it i have a creative vision for this um i think it's great if you want to see something cool and modern that kind of honors this movie the scene in ready player one that that is like the shining part is is like a really cool like hey they're honoring this movie in a really fun way uh it's the best part of that movie by far um and (laughs) i just think the shining is really cool it's it's just a really fantastic movie and the 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 performance by nicholson just kind of seals the deal uh, as this is being like a like a great great movie villain never has uh, a director emotionally abusing an actress worked out so well <laughs> since the birds final since word, the birds final <laughs> words kevin uh final words uh really it was just all the one-liners for pennywise that made him a great character for me oh, jesus all right for care chronic for kevin garber we will see you next week go hawks